I'm in the parables right now and with Alan. And we're in the parable of the hidden treasure in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. I'm going to read the word all the way through uh, verse uh, 52. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls, and when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Once again, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish, but it was full. The fishermen pulled it up to shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in the baskets, but they threw the bad away. This is how it will be in the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things, Jesus asked? Yes, they replied, which to me is perhaps... An overstatement. <laughs> he said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. And I hope to do that today, to bring both new and old. After all, I'm qualified age-wise. As far as the the fish part, I've often joked, I don't really think there's any fish in these lakes. I never catch them. Everybody else catches them. <laughs> One day, Cindy and I were on a vacation, and we were on a boat. We went fishing. I, I don't know why we did that. We're not fish people. We, and I'm sitting there fishing, and it's hot. And I'm thinking, of course, I hadn't caught anything. That's the way it is, you know. And I, I remember thinking, I hope I don't catch anything. <laughs> I got to deal with it then. <laughs> That's how I feel about chasing people in police work. Sorry, I've been doing this 30-something years. I can't help but talk about it. My theory is, who knows, you might catch them. <laughs> then what? <laughs> yeah. Many people walk down the road and they pass the field and they don't know that there's a treasure in that field. I used to drive by this church in, over in Dallas and it said, Jesus saves. I'd been raised in the church. I knew, I knew what was right and wrong. And when we would get there, I would look the other way because I didn't want to have to face that sign. I was passing by looking at the, at the field, but I didn't want to see the treasure. At least I didn't think I wanted to see the treasure. When God begins to bring a revival, whether it's a revival that includes, includes prayer or miracles, what about miracles? How about that? That's a part of the treasure in the field. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord. Someone who has no joy and they find the joy of the Lord, they, did, they stopped at the field and went over and connected with the treasure that's in the field. And I'm going to tell you right now that the treasure is Him, the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? That's the treasure that we seek and that we want to find and we want to walk with him and live in him. He's the treasure. It's not that I love God because he fixed this little problem over here. Thank you, Lord. Oh, yeah, I love you too. And, or that he healed me. Well, I, I'm glad you healed me, but uh, oh, I love you too, Lord. No, our walk with God is about him, the treasure. 
He's what it's all about. He's not a sideline issue. He is the preeminent one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Still saying that. I'm still believing that. I'm still preaching that. And I'm going to prove it to you in a little bit. And so, this person, some guy, goes out in this field. I don't know what he's doing out there. Poking around out in this field. And he finds a treasure. It doesn't say what it is. It's a parable. And he takes the the treasure and he hides it somewhere else in case I suppose the person that originally put it there might come back and retrieve it. And then the Bible says that he, and then in his joy, you know, I want to see that more in my life, in your life, don't you? The joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. You see, happiness is the result of happenings. But joy is the fruit of the Spirit. Hallelujah. We don't have no business quenching the joy of the Lord. If we're walking in forgiveness and we're walking in right standing with God, we ought to be walking with joy. The joy of the Lord ought to be spilling over, not only in our life, but to those around us in the world that we live in. And the peace of God. Ooh, what a time to have peace. What a time to have peace. Here we are in this pandemic and all the other crises that are going on in the world. And God never said that we couldn't have peace. He never said, okay, you're going to have to give up your joy and your peace until we get through this and quit wearing the mask. No, you can have the joy and the peace of God all the time, every time. You know, when, when Paul was in the, I guess the main part of his ministry, guess who was in charge of everything? Nero. Yeah. Imagine that. And what does Paul do? He appeals to go to Nero, of all people. So he, with joy, he went and he liquidated everything he had, every fork and spoon in the house, every cup, everything he had, every goat, every sheep, every cow, everything he had, he got rid of them, and he went and he bought the field. Now, the field didn't have any, I don't see, it doesn't indicate that it had any particular intrinsic value in and of itself, but he bought the entire field just to get the treasure. What could be more important than the treasure? Nothing. Nothing. What would it gain a man if he gained the whole world and lost his soul. I don't know how many people are on this earth. I think there's, what, four billion people? I guess they lost count. But do you know that every single one of them has a soul? They all got a soul. Every one of them. And they all qualify to be a child of God. Sometimes the people that we think even God can't save can be saved and can walk with the Lord. God saved me right in the middle of my tour of military service. And I reported to my duty station and my new duty station, right after God had saved me when I was home on leave. He saved me and he filled me with the Spirit. And he was not only my Savior and my Lord and my God, he was my friend. And I don't want to disappoint my friend. The Bible says, quench not the Spirit. In other words, don't hurt God's feelings. And so I reported to my duty station. 
And pretty soon, I guess word got out. I went to the mess hall to eat lunch. We were going to eat the mess hall. It's usually loud. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, you know, I, I think I'm going to say the blessing. I, I wasn't trying to act religious. Please don't misunderstand me. I, I just I wanted to pray and say my blessing. There was a lot of things I wanted to do, and that was just one of them. I wanted to start reading the Bible. Why not? I had this big, huge Bible with my grandmother's had pictures in it. And when me and my sister were little, we'd look at the pictures and... and that, that was the fun thing to do was look at the pictures. We never got tired of doing that. And I had that great big Bible, and I thought, you know what? I, I really need, I think I need to read this. I had it. That's where I was. I was a brand new Christian. And so I bowed my head to pray. I didn't pray for all the missionaries. I didn't go into that. I just prayed, thank you, Lord, for this food. And... Everything got quiet. The whole place quieted down. This was in 1964 or 65. Yeah. It was back when dinosaurs ruled around the earth. <laughs> That's where I'm from. I handed the lady in there a Cassette tape, a young lady on cassette tape said, know what it was. I, I mean, that's my technology. That's where I'm at. I hadn't caught on to the CDs yet. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I was the last person at the police department to have a pager, and they had to fight to get it away from me. I hadn't even really got it figured out yet, but I at least knew how to answer a phone call. I hope there are no devices that I have to have a password to to get to heaven. I don't, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, Jesus is the password. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know how many times I have to change the password, but then I forget what it is. I mean, Lord, help me. <laughs> Where was I? I was praying. That's where I was. I was praying over my food. And so someone came to me and said, hey, wait till some guy, he was away for some reason. He'd had a death in the family and he was on leave and wait till he gets back. He's mean. He's tough. He don't like religious people. Well, I wasn't trying to be religious. And we waited, and they kept telling me, yeah, it's just any day now. He's going to be here. I guess they were trying to build fear in me that this that this tough guy was going to come back and, and do a number on me. And, and so, and then I noticed another fella that I had kind of made friends with. When he went to eat, he said the blessing. And then people, I had opportunities to minister to people and witness to people. And finally, tough guy came back. And I guess he, he didn't come up to me right away, but after a while he came up and he wanted to talk to me. And we went over to the donut place. See, that's where I, I am anointed the most, in the donut shop. You know what I mean? <laughs> Did, Cindy, I'm sorry. Honey, I, <laughs> I won't tell Mrs. Neal that, but anyway, that's where I find my best anointing. Uh, anyway, we sat down for coffee and a couple of, well, I'm not going to say how many donuts. I, but anyway, he started telling me about his soul. He started telling me about things in his life, pain in his life. You know something, friends? We have the answer. Who is the treasure? We have the answer. It's within us. And you know what? It don't cost anything. And so, the merchant, this guy, this merchant, he's, he's a businessman. And I appreciate businessmen. I am not a businessman. But I appreciate men and women in business who know how to make a deal. Because 
for me, they make jobs for the rest of us, people like me. People who want to take a step out and take a chance and run a business, start a business, and then as they're going along, then they find someone like me who wants to work, who's willing to just work for wages. I've always been that way. I have no problem with that. And this merchant is looking for pearls. And so it says that when he found one of great value, he found this pearl. And, you know, he could show me that pearl or a pearl out of a gum machine, and I wouldn't know the difference. But this was a pearl of great price. This was the real thing, and this guy knew it. I had some dealings one time with some jewelry people. And, man, you talk about some intense people. I mean, they see everything. They know the value of everything. They know. And one day, Cindy and I, we went on this trip up in Arkansas, and we stopped at this, I think it was a diamond mine or something like that. And and they had this big field plowed, and all we had to do was go out there and... and uh, with this little digging tool we had, and, and we were going to find a, a rare jewel, a diamond perhaps, in this field. So I walked out the door down the sidewalk, right there. It had been raining. I didn't want to get muddy. And I stepped just as close as I could and started digging for this big Hope diamond. You know what I mean? And uh, the only thing is, I wasn't thinking at the time that probably literally thousands of people had done the exact same thing that I did. I'm surprised there was any rocks in there left. And I found me a diamond. Well, let me finish the story. Because I took my little Hope Diamond up to the counter and I'm ready to cash in. I've got this. I was holding it in my hand, very protective, like, don't let anybody try to take it away from me. And uh, this guy was sitting there and he had these spectacles on and this little tool and he put it out there and he takes this little tool. Now, a diamond is supposed to be real hard, isn't it? Well, this one hadn't got the memo because he, he pushed that and it just... What the pieces? I like, well, I'm ready to go. I've done all I can do here. But this merchant, he knew what a fine pearl was, and he did the same thing. He went away. He sold everything. He liquidated everything in order to buy that pearl. I'm not suggesting that everybody in here should go and liquidate everything you have to serve the Lord and to come up here to church and I guess hang out. I don't know. But I'm not suggesting that we should do that. But I'm suggesting that in our hearts that he should be the preeminent one, the main attraction of our life is him, our first love. Church in Ephesus, it says they, they did a bunch of really neat things, good things. They hated the Nicolaitans and other things. And when I read it, I really am kind of impressed. I'm thinking, Lord, you know, they, they've done pretty good. He said, but I have somewhat against you. You have not lost. You have left your first love. Left it. Got up and walked off and left it. I recommend today, as we study the Word, that we reconnect with him. Our first love, our treasure, the treasure. I remember year, several years ago, I went to a, a benefit for, it was some kind of a benefit at the, a Baptist church out by Saginaw. And, and the, uh, they were a benefit for, police officers and law enforcement. And so the reason I went, I went because I sang at it. I sang a song there. And uh, so this Baptist preacher got up to preach. And let me tell you something. Those guys, they've got some preachers now, don't they? Baptist preachers. 
and they got some soul winners. You know, if, they, if you have a hard case you can't deal with, get you a Baptist soul winner. They don't take no for an answer. They can turn that Bible around and quote it upside down better than I can right side up. You want to be saved? No? Yeah, you do. <laughs> okay, here we go again. Yeah, and this Baptist minister was preaching, and, and he was a good preacher. And, and I guess he was, I always wondered why he, he started talking about his life. And he, he said, I, I was a drunk. I was a troublemaker. I was always doing something against the law. He said, I've been in all the jails around here in this area, and I had a reputation for being a troublemaker. He said, but one day, one day, I met Jesus. And he said, that changed everything in my life when I met the Lord. He found the treasure in the field. You know, I'm convinced that we have to have a revelation of who he is. I was raised in a Christian home. I was not an atheist. I was not an agnostic. I was not someone that was trying to get rid of the Christian religion. I just wanted God to leave me alone so I could pursue my sinful life. I, 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 if you told me something in the Bible, I believed it. I believed the story of Noah just like it says. But the problem I had was that I didn't know the Lord Jesus on a personal level. I had never met him personally. I never had a revelation of who he is and what he has done for me. And then one day, the Lord met me in the place of his choosing. Won't go into the story. I've told it a dozen times, so I won't say it again. But anyway, he met me on his terms and revealed to me where I was in the overall scheme of things, and it wasn't good. See, I knew just enough to know I was in trouble. Don't mean to talk about Baptist too much, but this Baptist lady came on this bus that I was riding on, and I was going through the ringer because I was trying to find God and couldn't. And she said, she was from some Baptist church, nice lady. Reminded me of my, mom, of my mom. She said, I said, I don't know if God will forgive me of my sins. He said, well, he said he'd forgive 70 times 7. I'm quickly trying to calculate that, you know, 70 times 7. Yes! <laughs> Someone said, well, I've sinned too much. I've done too many bad things. I don't even want to hear that. What I want to hear is a great big yes to God. That's what makes the difference. I was talking to someone, a relative, about the things of God, and he said to me, he said, yeah, but I've made a lot of mistakes. You know what? That's how you qualify. <laughs> That's how you qualify to get saved. You made a lot of mistakes. You made the one big mistake. You didn't come to Jesus. You didn't turn to Jesus. But now he offers us a chance. He no, not a chance. For, uh, scratch that. He offers us an opportunity to get to know him. This almost sounds like a basic salvation message 101. Kind of sounds like that. And, and I'm not apologizing. I'm, I'm following what the Lord gave me. And... and uh, and, and you know, that, uh, there's, there's two things that we consider when we read these parables. And one is, what do we value? And the other is, who do we value? Okay? Because what is valuable to you may not be valuable to me. But what is valuable to the human family, to every single one of us, not nationally, although that would be a good idea, not internationally, not worldwide, not just a, a local issue, 
but it is a one-on-one personal relationship with God. Lord Jesus, I ask you to save me and to come into my life and forgive me of my sins. You know what he said about that? I always try to get these lessons where I can find them, so I have to shuffle through the pages. But I want to show you something. This is a bombshell. You know, you hear that on news all the time, and they tell you all this stuff. But this is really a bombshell. You could read the Word of God, I don't care how many times, you read it again someday, and you see something that you never saw before. It may be the same words, but it's got a meaning. And here's what he said. This is the message in 1 John 1 and 5 that we've heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship... With him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Purifies us from all sin. If we claim... We be without sin if we make that disclaimer. Lord, I'm here. I, I'm, they're lucky you've got me here to do things at the church, but I don't really want to discuss this sin thing with you. Just, you know, just respect me and be inclusive. Well, God's inclusive in one way, but he's exclusive in another. You know what I mean? When you stop and think about it, he's inclusive when he says, whosoever will shall come. Come to me. Yeah, he's inclusive. But he also says that no one gets to the Father except through him. Yeah, well, I got this other really cool religion I, I found, and, and I, I'm going to try this out. Well, if, it, if we don't go through Jesus, if we don't meet Jesus, it's not going to work. I tell you, this political thing we got going in the world, it's going to come down to who Jesus is. That's what it's going to come down to. In the final analysis, that's what it's going to be, who Jesus is. I want to work that out now. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. Now, here's the bombshell. You ready for this? And purify us from all unrighteousness. I don't know what all could be lurking in my heart, my mind, my life, my memory, whatever It's happened to me, whatever life has done to me through the years, but I just know this. I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins, and he forgives me, but then he does a complete work. He cleanses us of all unrighteousness, and that's real important, especially in the day that we stand before the Lord and we're covered by the blood of Jesus. So anyway, the day came when I met the Lord. How in the world could I be raised in a Christian home with a mother and a grandmother who prayed and prayed for me and uh, did everything they could to help me? And when I was growing up, they they would... I used to have earaches real bad. We'd get up in the middle of the night, and I'd be crying with an earache. And that's why I don't like to go swimming now. I go swimming, I get an earache. I don't, I just, it's just one of them things. But my mom would 
be there. My, my grandmother, my mom, she'd be praying over me. And, and I, I, I didn't want to act religious. I wanted to be cool. But I was grateful for that. I was grateful for those prayers. I always knew that my mom was praying for me. And then when the Vietnam War came along, yes, this is my chance to go to war and be a hero. And God wouldn't let me do that. And I tried to explain it to this fellow I worked with. He said, well, your actions don't match your words. If you wanted to go bad enough, you could just go. I, I had an opening to go, and, and I knew that God didn't want me to do it. And I, I, for whatever reason, and I argued with God. I said, you can't do this to me. Well, never tell God <laughs> you can't do this to me. One time God was chastising me over something. I don't know what it was. I, 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 thought, I, had a, I thought I had problems. I was t 20 years old, 19 years old. I didn't have any money, but then I didn't own nothing. I didn't have any political views. I, did, I wasn't married. You know, life was pretty simple. I had enough money to get by, and I thought I had a lot of problems. The problems I was having was God was correcting me all the time about things. You know, correcting me. And so one time I said to the Lord, Lord, can we just dispense with this correction thing for right now? I mean, you know, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm going to try to do better. Scout's honor, I'm going to do better. You know what? His correction is an act of love. Thank you, God, for your correction. Thank you, Lord, for taking me to the woodshed when it was necessary. I can tell you this, my mom sure did. My mom was the enforcer. <laughs> uh, I started reading from the Old Testament, and I discovered something. I discovered that they were in shadows, and they did not have the Bible as we have now. We've got it so easy. You know, we can read the Word, and people went through a lot to serve the Lord and to, and to compile this. And they didn't understand everything. And the, and the disciples asked Jesus, why do you talk to the people in parables? And as Alan said last week, to, the parables were given to hide the truth from the prideful, to make the truth memorable. And it, it really is the perfect teaching tool to, that allows for the spirit of revelation to come upon the people. And so... He said, Jesus, he went on to say, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. I'm going to tell you something. We, we have a lot given to us. We really have a tremendous blessing given to us. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. 1 Peter 10 and 12 says, Concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long, they long to look into these things. I don't really, I don't think I'm qualified enough to really delve into that. 
you'd think if angels were in heaven, they would understand how what all's going on. You think, I mean, they're right there. And you think they would know all about this, every aspect of it. But it says that they long to look into these things. As if, and it means as if you were bending down to see closely. And here we have the revelation of Jesus. And when I started reading all these scriptures that pertain to that, for instance, Paul said in Ephesians 1.17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So I can be a prophetic hero. I can get me a magazine. I can get me a, a radio spot, a TV spot, and I can be an authority on the subject, if I get all this revelation and wisdom. No, it goes on to say, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I believe he's pretty much done everything that could be done to help us know him better. It's our time. It's our part to respond all the great things that God has done for us. I want to share three things about the treasure. There's probably many more, I'm sure, just that come to mind that were impressed on me in this lesson. Three things about the treasure. One is this. He, that is Jesus, the treasure, he is accessible. He is accessible all the time, anytime. If you want to go to God, if you want to pray, if you want to tell the Lord, I love you, you're my friend and I worship you, you're my God, you can do that anytime. I believe there's a record of that in heaven. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In John 7, Jesus was at the Feast of Tabernacles, and he waited till the last day, the great day of the feast, and he stood and said in a loud voice, a loud, audible voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. The second thing I want to say, not only is he accessible, but very similar for the purpose of our study today, he is attainable, findable. Jesus appeared to the disciples after, the, after he was resurrected. And they're all milling around talking and wringing their hands. And what about this? What about that? And while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. You know, I guess when you have a glorified body, if you want to walk into the room or enter the room, you just... Go in. You don't even have to go through the door. He just appeared. He was there. And they obviously noticed this, that he was there. And this is good because the Lord gave this to me. Yesterday morning I was praying, and the Lord gave me this. They were frightened, startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. But he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. He identified himself to them. They're standing there looking at him. So I was praying about this. I just want to show you a small thing but an important thing. I'm asking the Lord, how can I explain this? Well, I guess one thing I could just read it and let the Holy Spirit reveal it to you, but I, I want to really explain it to you. And you know what came to my mind? Handle me. Handle me. 
Well, here it says in this translation, touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they did not, did not believe it, because, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. When you sit down and eat with somebody, you meet them on common ground. Did you know that? You can sit down and enjoy a meal together. Put aside the warfare, the arguments, the political disagreements. Just sit down and have a nice meal. This isn't the first time Jesus did this. He did, he did this at, at the shore when the disciples were out in in the boat, and he said, do you have any meat? And they came down, and he had some fish fixed for them. Fish for breakfast. Well, anyway. Uh, I've been told, I don't know. Well, I think I know. I've been told that just to give a kind of a bouncing idea off here, an example, I've been told that if you if you want to win the lottery, I've been told you have to buy a ticket. <laughs> I, hey, I'm keen on this now. I've never bought a ticket, a lottery ticket. And so I was given a ticket at a, as a door prize at, at a, I don't know, some function I went to. And... You know, I don't believe in all that. Of course, I kept the ticket in my pocket just to, you know, till they read the numbers just in case, but I didn't really mean nothing to me. But if you, if you don't buy a ticket, then you're not going to be in the running. Is that correct? I got good news for you, though. If you buy the ticket, you have like one in 300 million chances to win. What are the odds? The odds are against you, aren't they? I hope you say yes. The odds are against you. But as far as him being attainable, what are the odds that we would attain a relationship with him? I'm going to tell you what they are. They are zero. And the reason why is because Jesus Christ Christ, the Son of God, when he died on the cross and rose again, he defeated all the odds that were against us. He defeated the handwriting of laws and ordinances that was against us. The only way we can fall prey to that is if we give in to the enemy. But other than that, there's not a single demon in hell that's, gonna, that's going to stop our attainment in God. I like that. That's more to my liking. So I'm not going to buy a ticket. Okay. I'm coming down the home stretch here. Uh, both the treasure and the pearl of great value had to be found. They were meant to be found. <laughs> the third thing is that he is enduring. He's not going to go away. He's not going to skip town. He's not going to declare bankruptcy. He's not going to reshuffle the personnel. He is going to do exactly what he said he was going to do. And the worse state that the world gets into, the greater and the more darkness, the greater the light of God. It's like God came along in this world and just took a, just opened a big curtain and let the light shine in. And the Bible says the light shineth more and more unto the coming day. He's enduring. 
We have this treasure in jars of clay, earthen vessels, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So that we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. Look beyond the field and see him who is the treasure. Uh, my last scripture reference, and then I'm going to play a little segment of a tape for you. Cassette tape. Do you remember those? No. Back there in the eight-track days. Oh, if this is recorded. They're going to have fun trying to figure this out. Uh, Jeremiah, in chapter 32, did something that didn't make sense. He's in jail. Yeah, he, he, had, he had a criminal history significant. I mean... He would preach and go to jail. I mean, and so here he is. He's in jail again, and apparently he was a man of some means. He had some jingle in his pockets, a little bit of money. Yeah, he did. And he wouldn't prophesy what the people wanted, and Zedekiah was the king. He would not prophesy what the king wanted him to, but there were several other prophets that did say that that the... Uh, the city was about to be overrun by the Babylonians. I mean, it was just imminent. And they're practically at the door. It's a bad deal. And everybody's running around trying to figure out what to do and hiding things and getting rid of shuffling things around and trying to, you know, get ready for the onslaught of this enemy. And uh, Jeremiah didn't have too big of a problem because he was in jail. And so God spoke to him and said, I want you to buy this field at Anathoth, and you got a relative, he's going to come down and offer that to you. This is how God talked to Jeremiah. And sure enough, a little bit later, this guy shows up and says, I want you to buy this field, and you have a, a kinsman right. In fact, it's your duty to buy this field. Now, anybody in real estate will tell you that there's three important things to note, and that's location, location, location. And if you, if the location of the land you're going to buy, the field you're going to buy is in Jerusalem and the Babylonians are fixing to invade Jerusalem and they're going to do whatever they want to do. They're going to kill people, pillage. They're going to haul people off to prison. But God had made a promise. He said, I'm going to punish Israel, he said, but in 70 years you're going to be brought back and you're going to plant vineyards and you're going to rejoice again. And so he did that. But I thought it was important what he did. Jeremiah said, I knew this was the word of the Lord. So I bought the field. Now, there's a treasure in this at Anathoth for my cousin, and weighed out for him 17 shekels of silver. Listen to this guy. This is really neat. I signed and sealed the deed. <laughs> you know where I work, they do that. And I asked this clerk one time, I said, hey, is that where you get the title to your house? And she said, there's no such thing as a title to a house. What? There's a deed. I'm glad he got that right. There's title, other things mentioned in title, but it's a deed. And so he says, I signed and sealed the deed, had it witnessed and weighed out the silver on the scales. I took the deed of purchase, the sealed copy containing the terms and conditions as well as the unsealed copies. I guess that would be the working copy. You see how this, this would work today pretty much. And I gave this deed to Barak, the son of Neriah, the son, 
in the presence of my cousin and the witnesses who had signed the deed and all the Jews sitting in the courtyard and the guard in their presence, I gave Baruch the instructions. This is what the, the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Take these documents, both the sealed and the unsealed copies of the deed of purchase and put them in a clay jar so that they will last a long time. But this is what the Lord says. You're going to, houses and fields and vineyards will again be bought. So what God had him do, of course, he had to respond to the Lord. He had him to make an investment in a piece of land that would do him no good at the time. And who knows if he would even be alive in 70 years but he was investing in that field because there was a treasure in the field. And I declare to you today by the word of the Lord that that treasure that was in that field was the good prophetic word of God. Nobody else was proclaiming it, and here he put his money where his mouth was, and he invested with his own money and bought the field. Would you say amen to that? Well, therefore every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. I want to play just about a minute and a half of a tape. This is a tape a sermon that I preached in 1979, 40 plus years ago. And I'm not so vain as to think that you would be interested in listening to an old tape that I preached. But it's, it's like it was in the storehouse. My mom, when my mom died, we found some tapes. And she thought enough of me to keep the tapes of sermons I preached. And so, let's see what happens. Jeremiah spoke the word of the Lord when he was in prison. You see, you see, the prophetic word can't be contained in prison. The prophetic word can't be contained anywhere. When the prophetic word comes forth, it can penetrate every barrier. There is no stopping God's word, God said, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Behold, I will bring health and cure. I will cure them. I will reveal unto them the abundance of peace. I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return and will build them as at the first. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity. We don't have to worry about that. God can do that. Whereby they have sinned against me, I will pardon all their iniquities, whereby they have sinned, and whereby they have transgressed against me. And it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and honor before all nations of the earth, which shall hear the good that I will do unto them. And tonight, I take this word as a minister of the gospel. I have the authority, I have the right to rightly divide the word of truth, and I take this word tonight and I deliver it unto you and I say that you are that people. I declare to you within the sound of my voice that you are the people of the Lord. Not all the people of the Lord, but you are the people of the Lord. And you're a part of the work of God that he's doing in the land today. Would you say amen?
want to extend to you an opportunity to, if you want to come, give your heart to the Lord. If you haven't given your heart to the Lord before, you, you sense Him calling you, I invite you to come. Just take a few minutes. Let us pray with you. If you want to to start over with God. Come on down. Let's start over. That's okay. I don't know how many times I've prayed the prayer. Lord, forgive me of my sins. If you want another touch from God, you want to move closer to God, just come on down. Let's take a few minutes to pray together. The worship team is singing, worshiping, obey the Lord. name. Lord, may they know that your word is for them, to them, and through them. Use us for your glory. Thank you, Lord. Be blessed. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. The peace that passes understanding. The peace that is based upon the love and power and authority of God and not on compromise. In Jesus' name, amen. Go get them, tigers. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Make me your best. Man.